This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. So um, one of the themes uh, we bump into a lot here at Spooko um, is due diligence. Like we find a lot of horror victims, a lot of screenwriters, a lot of directors, they don't do their DD. Um, they don't like they don't they don't really make sure all their eyes are dotted and T's are crossed. And so we've got a guest today that we're mega mega excited about. But I just realised Alexi probably has no idea what this podcast is about. And there were just two issues we didn't cover in the chat ahead of time. <laughs> um, so Alexi, before we before we drag you in, can I just ask you? How do you feel about the patriarchy? Do you think it's really, really good? Or... Uh, <laughs> I think Ooh. it is one of the most coolest things. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm terrified. I'm terrified of the patriarchy. You know? it's, it's scary. I don't feel like I fit into it at all, so I don't know what to do. I'm an outcast. I'm an exile. Um, you know, grew up with a single mom, so I'm like, I don't know, I feel scared of men. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, so... No, um, no, 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 we're still doing our DD no, 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 show, we are, don't we get are, too far. We are. And I don't want Alexi <laughs> to know how he's going in the test, but you're doing pretty well, but <laughs> how do you feel... Soft signals. How Soft do you signals. feel about wealth distribution? Do you think the rich should get taxed, mm. or do billionaires deserve every cent they've ever made? They've uh, worked hard, <laughs> Alexi, haven't they? They've yeah. worked pretty hard for their billion dollars. Oh, what do you yes, uh, truly, yes. Uh, you're leading me down a path, I believe, here. Um, you know, even though I am coming from you live from uh, surrounded by my material possessions. Blu-ray studios. Yes, I am surrounded by Blu-rays. I will happily tell you that I think capitalism stinks. I would love to eat a rich guy one day, chop off his head, <laughs> suck out his brain. I, uh, you know, proletariat for life. No matter if I rise above my station, I will still be fighting the fight. Oh, Alexi, like you'll get to maybe eat our heads when the guillotine comes down. <laughs> It'll be good. Um, so we are super, super lucky to be joined by Alexi today. Alexi is everything. He's an investigative journalist. He's a stand-up comedian. Um, he's the host of about 47 podcasts. I might run through my favorites and try to do it in order. Whoa. So I think the Ooh, ranking order this is from cool. the, ones, the ones I've dived into to my super faves. Mm -hmm. So I think... Finding Finding Desperado is the most recent, so mm -hmm. I only like Finding Desperado a lot. Okay. Then I think we go into Blank Slate because that was the introductory Whoa. one. Then I think we go Finding Drago. Mm -hmm. um, then we like really battle it battle it out between Mike Check versus Total Reboot. Wow! And for anyone who doesn't know Mike Check, Mike Check is this amazing podcast where Alexi and his co-host. Cameron James, who should have the nickname Cam Jam by now, and for some reason doesn't. He does only in private circles. We oh, we never bring we him go. out loud to the public, but we all call him Cam Jam behind closed doors. <laughs> yeah, nice. The patriarchy works again. It's good. Um, so then we've got total total reboot and mic check going toe to toe. We'll give him equal first place. Wow. Um, Alexi's the most respective film person to ever come out and publicly say he enjoyed Tom Hardy's Venom, mm -hmm. um, and it is a massive, massive privilege to have him here today. <laughs> Alexi, thank, thank you for taking so the time much. out of investigating whatever mystery you're chasing <laughs> down a rabbit hole today. We're really, really grateful to have your company. Uh, that was a beautiful intro, and truly, what my Venom love, even though I've only seen the film once, is actually one of the things I'm most proud of. I think when we reviewed <laughs> Venom, there was a quote that I had in there that I still think about, like, yeah, that's the best piece of criticism I've ever had in one sentence. <laughs> I believe I said something like, uh, Tom Hardy has all the uh, acting talent of Marlon Brando, <laughs> but all the taste of someone that would star in the Venom movie with the Eminem <laughs> soundtrack and we should be grateful for it <laughs> i totally forgot doesn't venom have a song at the end with eminem that's like 
Hey, Venom. Yeah. You've got Venom. Venom, Venom, Venom. <laughs> it's fucking dog shit. It's so good. <laughs> well, look, I think your, you know, high appreciation of low-class stuff fits very well in with Spooko. This is a podcast trying to convince Peach... Someone who's mm. never actually watched a horror film in his life, really, <sighs> and mm-hmm. whose only frame of horror reference are all the scary bits of the Harry Potter movies. Uh, <laughs> the, the horror also genre is scary actually... TikToks now. I'm watching and a lot of scary TikToks, TikToks these days. <laughs> the, the, horror, the, the horror genre is actually, like, fucking amazing. So, mm-hmm. like, Alexi, what are your thoughts on horror? Uh, I'm with you, man. I got to say, horror is like my favorite genre, I got to say, because I think I really fell in love with it around when I like first started like studying film seriously like going to film school and I kind of fell in love with it slowly because it was uh, the only type of film genre where you uh, like it's explicitly trying to get like a very certain reaction from the audience and so for me it was like falling in love with director's work and seeing like how directors use specific techniques to get a very specific response from an audience and then I was like oh shit this fucking rocks dude <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was when you saw the rabbit in your favourite film Donnie Darko Alexi that, that, oh, <laughs> yes. that was probably the moment that got you one of the coolest flicks ever I love that big old rabbit so scary so enticing <laughs> and incredibly exciting. Yeah, scary voice as well. Very scary voice. I actually don't. I, I've only seen Donnie Darko once, but let me tell you, I left a huge impression on a 19 year old boy. I think I remember loving it as a teenager, and I haven't seen it since. Like, is it still good, or has it been. It's a good toxic, toxic masculinity test. I think if you uh, love okay. Donnie Darko, it's Absolutely. like, oh, mm. yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. I think I missed the boat. I like saw it too late in my life. I'm like, well, this sucks shit. I was like, it's so boring. I don't know what's, I did not like it at all. But then recently I did watch Southland Tales, another film from that director. And I was yeah. like, well, this is something else. I've never seen anything like this before. Like that movie could have ended with like, like one of the characters turning to camera saying my full name out loud and I was like okay this is interesting anything could have happened in that movie so you talk about how you fell in love with horror I guess like a little bit later in life was there a point when you're a kid that it scared you you felt fear for scary movies uh, as a kid, yes, I did a little bit. Like I remember seeing stuff like the remake of The Haunting on TV with my cousins, and like that really creeping me out. I think like dark imagery really scared me. And then as a teenager, it wasn't. It was the the idea of like what film horror films were like when I was a teenager was like right in that time where we were shifting from like the cycle of like Japanese J horror remakes to like torture porn with like hostels and saw and like you know your rob zombie movies was like very grimy films that stuff very wet very so wet wet and rusty (laughs) very rusty fucking movies and like that was just like a real turn off for me like the grime and stuff i think i have a real uh the thing that scares me most is like snuff I like snuff films. I think there's a quality to those films that's like a bit in that snuffy or trying to channel a snuffy vibe. And it like, I could never jibe with it. And I was like, I was terrified of them. So, you know, while we're on, like, fuck, I'm not like going to talk about snuff films, but. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for bringing it up. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So, Peach will pay me out constantly the fact that I I record this podcast. I don't listen to a lot of them. Mm. But of the Mm. two podcasts I've listened to recently, one of them was Finding Desperado. I was like, and this isn't like, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Obviously, you know, it's amazing. It's a great podcast. It's my favorite podcast, I'll yeah. be honest. Um, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> rightly so, rightly I, so. I don't Anyone, wanna, like... So sorry, can we just repeat the title? Finding Desperado. You might be enjoying this episode. Fucking congratulations. Just go to Finding Desperado <laughs> now. <laughs> Wait till the and end. Wait till back. the end. Get, yeah. to, get yeah, to hang yeah. out with us here longer. Yeah. I, I don't want to give too much away because anything I say, I think would spoil it. How would you describe Finding Desperado, Alexi? Uh, I would describe it kind of as like a true crime podcast without a crime. And it's like an actual documentary investigation 
uh, with two like nincompoop comedians, <laughs> like doing actual journalism work. Well, no, it's funny because you guys apply um, having a reasonably high EQ and reasonably good use of Google.com. <laughs> Uh, and just a bit of enthusiasm mm. to show that investigative journalism is, you know, something that, that, that you guys maybe missed your calling or maybe are now finding your calling. Mm. So, like, lighthearted <laughs> investigative journalism yeah. is like a genre you've more or less invented. It's amazing. Yeah, we. I think we both studied journalism. I dropped out of two journalism degrees because I was okay. like, I don't have the guts for it. I don't have the instinct that I have the bug. And then we both found ourselves, like, coming back to it, like, you know, you know, late 20s well look I, I reckon every successful rapper dropped out of some sort of degree so if Venom 2 needs a, <laughs> needs a soundtrack Alexi maybe maybe you're in one of the things it actually proved is that like I tried to watch a film you mention in it called State of Mind from 1992 mm -hmm. for about an hour yesterday mainly mm. by googling watch State of Mind online <laughs> and uh, just came up empty so it just goes to show that investigative journalism isn't a thing that anybody can pick up and I think <laughs> so you probably do need a degree to get there and there are even concepts that 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 are traversed especially in this season like the sorry this season as compared to Finding Drago um, the idea of a lost film mm. I actually found quite disarming that that in 19x or even 2000x mm. a studio might have put out a movie because as as someone totally uninformed it feels forever like I grew up listening to Australian rap music and I was like imagine being part of the canon forever having a guest <laughs> verse on a draft album or something <laughs> like that and so I sort of felt the same way about films of like it's been in the cinema people mm. have paid money for the ticket it happened and the idea that it can just slip slip through the fingers of history just strikes me as sort of romantic and sort of sad and sort of amazing. It's it's incredible. Yeah, I think I feel the same way as well. Like there's like a permanence uh, to putting something out there you feel. But then like, you know, especially in the time where media was analog, it was physical, they can get lost, they degrade. Even people like famous movies that are like not that old, like John Woo's films, they're all like, t like his Hong Kong stuff. Like they're all tied up in like all these weird rights issues. The negatives have like degraded to like, no to where they look like dog shit and they only <coughs> exist on like crap DVDs because you can't access them anywhere right. at all anymore so it's like still this weirdly common problem that happens to even important films like over time in ways that we still don't anticipate and who knows the important film in like next five years could just get accidentally deleted off like some server <laughs> and it just doesn't exist at all anymore you won't be able to find it and what yes. I think is kind of amazing is like the more I think about it the more not to not to big up Spooko and go beyond what it is but we are documenting films based on the fact that they exist on wikipedia mm -hmm. so hopefully some of the terrible films we talk about on this yeah. podcast will live on at yeah. least through us talking through them and me hopefully making you feel not scared by listening to them yeah you're welcome future generations <laughs> like we're doing it <laughs> we're, we're doing it for you but look one film that isn't on wikipedia was the film you mentioned in finding desperado state of mind mm -hmm. also speaking of dog shit looks absolutely dog shit but I, I want to interrogate the way you described it because it's a term I've brought up in this podcast, but it's good to have someone who actually knows film to talk about this. <laughs> what, you describe it as an exploitation film. Yeah. What is an exploitation film? Uh, that's a great question because it can kind of be anything as long as there is something, I would say, for me, tonally, there's something grubby involved. Where there's like, either like, it's a topic that is being exploited, or it is a culture that is being exploited to yeah. make something for all intents and purposes, like, quite cheap. It's a, it, it's about, like, the exploitation of something to create something that is maybe not high art, that is probably more on the cheaper side of, like, genre cinema. Is this, like, a James Bond film, or, or does the budget there excuse it from exploitation? Uh, I think that budget is, like, a big thing that I would put okay. into, like, my definition of exploitation films. Because okay. I think there are 
some blockbusters that you feel like oh they can kind of lead into exploitation like james bond is kind of like a sexploitation type thing because it's like oh it's all about this misogyny and stuff like that but i think the budget and like its mainstream appeal has stopped it from becoming like classified as that i think there's also like it has to have like an underground quality it should lack some sort of mainstream appeal I think it is all about like that cheapness, that grubbiness in some way. So we weren't able to find, well, I wasn't able to find State of Mind, but I wanted to do something from that era. So I went Mm -hmm. back over the list of films that's suggested by our listeners and peeps on Insta over the last little while. And this one film that I recently watched, somehow was on one of the streaming services here. Mm -hmm. I recently watched from 1992, I feel like fits the bill, but also, like we mentioned at the start, is also like a little bit anarcho-syndicalist slash fuck the patriarchy in a very (laughs) 1989 sort of way. So today on Spooko with our guest Alexi, we are going to be taking you through, Peach, the 1989 horror social commentary, exploitation film, Society. It better be better than the platform. For Bill Whitney... I've never been paranoid. Fear plays a large part in family life. I feel like something's going to happen. And if I scratch the surface, there'll be something terrible underneath. He's afraid his sister... Could you zip me up, Billy? ...is not what she seems. He thinks his friends are out to get him. Make waves, Whitney. You're going to drown. People are what they are. He's about to find out the truth. <laughs> so why, why are you guys doing this to me, huh? What, you've been living with these people all your life and you didn't know anything about this? Is far worse than he could ever imagine. If you don't follow the rules, Billy, bad things happen. Didn't you know, Billy boy? The rich have all sucked off low-class scum like you. Oh, guy. You never were one of us. You know, you really deserve what's going to happen to you. No, 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 no! Bill Whitney is about to become one... Showtime, Billy! ...with society. (laughs) Who are you? Let me give you a hand, Bill. In Beverly Hills, what you fear is only the beginning. Anything for society. So that is basically the plot of my favourite horror TikTok, which is this TikTok trend about a two-sentence horror film. And the two-sentence horror film is, I was blind and my family were looking after me. Full stop. Now that my sight's recovered... I realise I've been being looked after by fucking weirdos. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and like, it strikes me that, that, that we're like, we're riffing on it now. I'm all about, I'm all about men uh, being victims of gaslighting as well. So I'm all about that uh, gaslighting the patriarchy, all about uh, getting in there, knuckling up the socialism with a whisper of anarcho-syndicalism in there. Let us do it. I mean, this movie is pretty much constant gaslighting from the beginning till the mm-hmm. end. So number one, so check for that. <laughs> uh, it it has a surface level understanding of <laughs> socialism that say the Pennywise song also called Society also has. <laughs> named, named, named for an, a band named for another socialist icon. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, nothing says deep thought than naming the thing after the thing yeah. you want to denounce. Like mm-hmm. they were rich that. children he was eating, I'm sure. So he was literally eating the rich. But, 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 but. So the thing about society and the thing that you capital you can't, S or lowercase capital like, S what yep. are we? until yeah, okay. until you understand until you've actually seen it it's all about the ending to the point where mm-hmm. and I'd love to ask your thoughts on this Alexi in the Guardian in 2015 I think when it started being re-released or at least mm. being was rediscovered as you know cult films often are a writer in the Guardian no hyperbole said that society has the greatest ending in all film save for Citizen Kane and The Sixth <laughs> Sense. What do you think about that? 
I would somewhat agree. There's a few endings that I would maybe put above society, open brackets, 1989, close brackets. Um, but I, I got to agree somewhat because I saw this in 2019 at a, a revivalist screening that you were mentioning before, that the, it has had like this cult resurgence, this film, probably particularly because like Brian Usner, the director, is like in that, reanimator world of like kind of niche underground or more cult status horror films are like quite grubby splatter horror body horror type things so he's had like a bit of a reappraisal if you will i think this is his best known movie now and i gotta say like the build-up to that ending is it's something else because most of the movie is quite like this almost like a parody of high society that has like very goofy silly dialogue that doesn't always quite connect doesn't always feel you know naturalistic or authentic when i say it doesn't always feel i mean like it never does like it's <laughs> it's crazy and weird and very silly and funny it's like a kevin smith film that oh, just you'd never hear a conversation like this ever absolutely. In your life. i would say it's yeah. like it's like kevin smith but without pop culture know-how so it's like what is it <laughs> and then it builds up to this ending of like severe body horror but done in a way that is just like it's a huge joke and it's uh very enjoyable all right let's get that crowdsource plot synopsis gooey all right okay all right <laughs> let's okay. know what wikipedia tells us so i think it's, it's also really important to know that for mm. that first sort of 70 minutes it's like an episode of beverly hills 90210 yes but are you bored? Like, are you grumpy? Are you like, where's well, that twist well, ending? Well, and I need to ask this as well. There's, there's mm. a couple of questions I, I, I'd love to ask you because now we have you on the show. Why are all films like more than 20 years ago very slow and almost impossible to watch? Yeah, why are the shots yeah. so long? I have no answer for that. I feel like attention spans have waned in the... Uh, as Peach has put a TikTok era, I would say. <laughs> um, but um, it is, I think as well, like the attention span thing, but also films were way shorter as well. How long does this run for? Like uh, less than a hundred minutes. Now this would be like a- every movie is way too long now. But wasn't The Exorcist like a thousand years long with like <laughs> shots that would be like, oh, that's you know, there's some idiot at the door. Linda Blair's gonna walk down the stairs in two minutes time, <laughs> and you're just sort of <laughs> hanging around getting the goss on how the film's going, you know, and how the film they're making's going. Like, um, I mean, you're yeah. not wrong. I can't deny what you're saying. You are telling a truth here. I disagree with that immensely but it is true <laughs> and, and I guess the other thing I wanted to, uh, I wanted to uh, call out is that this film has a plot that you just wouldn't see in other genres like why yes. do you think in horror you see stories you don't see just anywhere else I think there's something in like the horror audience in being very willing to explore things i think that like i i would say that of all like the fan bases for film like divided to their genres and stuff i would say horror audiences are the most savvy in a way because they are willing to like buy into things they are willing to like explore weird topics and above all because of the nature of the genre they are willing to be challenged Alexi, would you compare that to a, um, if I'm drawing pop culture oh. vague analogies, like would a, a superhero film fan go, oh, that's not canon or not like the comic, or would like a sci-fi fan be like, oh, that doesn't make sense because of the fucking photon engine wouldn't work like that or whatever. Yeah, sci-fi so fans are obsessed with photon engines, unfortunately. <laughs> it's tough for them to, to get into things, unfortunately, because of that. <laughs> <laughs> if you stuff up the photon engine, just you lose, you lose, you lose everyone's suspension of disbelief. Yeah, They're you like, see nah, eyes no. glaze over and roll yeah. back right to the rear of their heads. And so horror films, uh, horror fans have a bit more faith, are a bit more open-minded. I, I would say so. I would say so. It's just like the nature of the genre. It's about being challenged and like about transgression for the most part. Like that's probably if there's one major theme in horror, it would be transgression. So I think because of that, horror fans are like open to things for the most part. 
this this podcast with me like started in the first episode where we did um, Hereditary, which was sort of Shag coming out swinging with a challenging film. I was like, I would prefer to watch a romantic comedy, please. Like, <laughs> and 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 my sort of question was of like. Why would I watch a film that makes me feel bad? Mm. Like, why would I have an experience that makes it scary when I've got to put the bins out at 11.30 at night? Why would I have an experience that makes it difficult for me to sleep? Like, why would I pursue that? And so is it right that your answer is because if I was a fan of that genre, I'd be pursuing the other? I'd be wanting to stare into the abyss and see what stares back? I guess so. Cool. Well, that's the Wikipedia plot. Okay. It was very profound. And now, all right. Well, look, I'm 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 very happy to announce that not all Wikipedia synopsis of horror films are built the same. Some uh, many many pages long. This one's only three paragraphs. So it's built different, as they say on TikTok. It's built different. (laughs) But but I think you'll get the gist of it and you'll especially get the gist of the mm. fact that it really is just a build-up to the final, say, 20 <laughs> minutes of the film. Can I interrupt for a moment and just say I have an extreme adoration for uh, Wikipedia plot synopsis. Like, I... I love them, and there was once upon a time I remember coming home. No, well, no, no. Sorry, sorry, Lexi. Go, go ahead. But well, in fact, I'll flag my question. I was yeah. going to ask you to compare them to the Letterbox mm. shorter version. So if we can pick your brain on that. Oh as well. yeah, Letterbox synopsis just—it's a three lines kind of thing. <laughs> They're kind of shitty, and I do love them. And it, but Wikipedia plus synopsis because they go through like the whole film. You can detect like personality in them sometimes, like about who's writing them. And there was one time the most. Most memorable time to me was um, I remember coming home from work and I like fully was had caught the flu or something. Uh, this was a few years ago, so it was normal flu style, and I started like getting a fever and getting delirious. And I remember just like somehow landing on the. I think I was listening to like um, the like the King Harvest song on Spotify. And it, it had like the cover for a walk to remember as like the album tile. I was like, okay, what's this? And I remember reading the walk to remember the Nicholas Sparks movie adaptation with Mandy Moore. Um, Mandy Moore? Yeah, the okay. Mandy Moore like sad <laughs> yeah, okay. romantic movie yeah. on Wikipedia. And I started crying on the train because <laughs> I wrote it so emotionally and like they really like laid everything in together. I was like, this is so it hit me like the emotion hit me. Never seen the movie. I've still never seen it and to the point where I literally started just reading the Wikipedia plot summary in stand-up when I didn't know what I was going to do I was just gonna, like I was going to read this say that I'm Nicholas Sparks and I'm reading one of my stories and then it would just like I would always start crying by the end of it <laughs> here, like here at Spooko we hate plays we're like mm-hmm. 50-50 on books but yes. particularly pro the audio versions of books Absolutely. that you could listen to at like two and a half speed mm-hmm. I'm undecided on horror horror movies. Shag's very pro horror movie. <laughs> but but, but I, think I think we the... can all agree that Wikipedia synopsises are probably oh no no so no not like in terms of art forms. Mm-hmm. Number one, it's film trailers. Yeah, like yes. unbeatable. Absolutely. Number two, Wikipedia plot synopsis. Oh, basketball TikToks probably number two. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's my. <laughs> to this day, that's why I do a regular four buck donation to Wikipedia because I'm like, okay, I've earned about fifteen bucks off you guys, maybe more, including <laughs> other things. <laughs> you gotta pay a your true, tax. A true man of the people. <laughs> exactly. Like oh, exactly. Like, I think from now on, I'm going to be heavily invested in the characters behind the writers of the synopsises we do. <laughs> but, you know, I'm so glad we have you on the show, Alexi, because number one, obviously, you know, it's your film knowledge, but it's also, mm. I'm keen to hear what you think the person who wrote this was going wow. through at the time. Yes. Okay, I'm going to zone in onto the author. My author theory is kicking in right now. All right, so it starts with a guy called Bill Whitney, and he lives with Good his night. parents and sister in a mansion in Beverly Hills, California. You can picture the mansion. You've seen them in a million TV shows. Yeah. Massive gardens, huge pool out the back. Clueless. I'm in, like, I'm in, clueless, I'm in the Clueless yeah, Mansion. It's exactly, it's mm-hmm. basically the Clueless Mansion. Yep, cool, I'm there. So Bill tells his therapist, Dr. Cleo, Cleveland, that he does not trust his high society family. And from the beginning, we get the vibe that 
most people in his family are sort of gaslighting him. So mm-hmm. Dr. Cleveland, the whole way through, his role is to gaslight Bill to not believe in anything he thinks or believes and everything he thinks is wrong. And in fact, his family and society rules. So that's the role of Dr. Cleveland. <laughs> is this as subtle as the platform? Like, uh, I, uh, I am... Sorry, sorry like, Alexi, do you, like, do you know the platform? It's this Spanish... I don't know it. I've heard of it, but I've not seen it. Okay. Look, it's this Spanish horror film where the central metaphor is like, the people at the top get to eat first mm-hmm. and we only get to eat the scraps that they like let behind. It's a little In a platform literal way? of food. <laughs> okay. Where like literally the rich eat first and then the people in the lower <laughs> rungs of society eat later. It's like the most blunt, like <laughs> tw- like 13 year old that would be like, oh, oh yeah, it. guys. I actually I'm would be. I'm working on my heel flip and I've written a film script. <laughs> I great. would be surprised if this Wikipedia plot summary captures the absolute bluntness of this film. <laughs> Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> so, so he's also he's also got a sister. The sister has like a we 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 see him as like one of those creepy eighties because this is still nineteen eighty nine and mm-hmm. still very mm. much an eighties feeling yeah. film. This could be mm. made in like nineteen eighty five. Like it feels so eighties. <laughs> We're not dipping into the nineties one iota on this thing. Yeah, like all the boobs you see have tan lines. <laughs> like it's like it is the eightiest most exploitation film you yeah. could get. So creepy ex-boyfriend who at one point uh, she captures sort of spying on him and she kicks him out. And it's also in that weird sort of 80s thing where there's a guy literally hiding in her cupboard watching her change Mm. and the dad takes him downstairs and he's like, why I order, get out of here. (laughs) Like that's how they respond to that threat, right? But anyway, so this this ex-boyfriend comes up to Bill and gives him a tape to be like, your family's not what you think they are. And it's a cassette and he plays it. And what it sounds like is mm. the family engaged in a pretty fucked up orgy. Like that's what it sounds like on the tape. Mm. This, so far, this is just like the TikTok that I read <laughs> up earlier, just to say. So Bill begins to suspect that his feelings are justified. He gives the tape to Dr. Cleveland, but when he later plays it back, the audio has changed to his sister's coming out party. So it's changed. Like, it's essentially the same audio of the tape, but instead of it sounding like an orgy, it just sounds like a loving family talking about the sister's coming out family. By the way, I can't believe debutante balls still happen. Like, <laughs> oh my fucking God. Like, I know Borat 2 talked about them, but they're still a thing. Like, they're still a thing where the dad, like, gives his daughter away to having sex or whatever the point of a debutante ball it's incredibly erotic you've got to give it to them you know it sets you up for a feeling that some shit's gonna go down and they've not changed it for that reason i guess it's still such a contemporary idea I, i've forgotten the name of the um, netflix drama i was obsessed with like four weeks ago because my attention span has gone through the floor essentially it's the game of thrones moment but you know mm-hmm. the revisionist history one of like we're gonna do jane austen yeah but we're gonna have the queen um the queen be black and 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 for there to be oh, racial is that bridgerton are you talking about bridgerton? bridgerton there we go like essentially it's a like a prelude to a debutante ball mm. via an Instagram filter from like twenty fourteen when like when people used to be really, really big on it. Looks great. <laughs> so, so 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 anyway, Bill tries to meet the ex boyfriend Blanchard again to obtain another copy. But on his way, he finds an ambulance and police officers gathered around Blanchard's crashed van. A body is placed into the back of the ambulance, but Bill is presented from seeing its face. And the cops are basically like like in again, in a way that even the cops are gaslighting him. The cops are basically like, "Well, if you do bad things and if you investigate things, bad things happen to people." And that, you know, like it's basically the point is the entire town is in on something. Yeah. And like, and I guess the thing is, it feels like the Truman Show. It is. That's so on point because it really is like everyone in the whole film is in on something except for one guy. And you're kind of like, how is this early happening now? Like, shouldn't he be like, you know, four years old when he's figuring out all? This- stuff by the yeah. man around him and Laura like Laura Dern goofing up by crossing her fingers when she knows there are photographers around I still find to be a huge plot hole in that <laughs> film like, she's so committed to the role apart from the one very very important moment anyway, look so. a credit to society is like I promise you you do not know what is coming for you okay. again like I, I promise you absolutely <laughs> So Bill attends a party hosted by his upper-class classmate, Ted Ferguson, who confirms that the first tape was real. Not what was on it, just says, no, you're right, they did switch the tapes, Mm. that was the right tape. Angry and confused, 
Bill leaves the party with Clarissa, a beautiful girl he had been admiring. The next day, Bill confronts his parents and sister. Sorry, he le- he leaves the study in a pain of anger and confusion at this new per- with, with yeah. this new person. Like, because okay. because it's that classic gaslighted character where th- they don't really know what to believe, so they can't really do anything about the information. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he's crazy. This guy. Crazy. Yeah, and he confronts his family, and his family are like, "Shut up! It's fine. Like, we're just chill. We were just we were just recording yeah. the conversation we were having about the coming out." I think that's, that's one of the best things about society is that the upper crust have this real laissez-faire attitude the whole time. <laughs> this is why we got to eat them. <laughs> so at Blanchard's funeral. Bill and his friend, so so the, the body apparently was Blanchard, but we still haven't seen it. And at Blanchard's funeral, Bill and his friend Milo discover that Blanchard's corpse may be fake. Now, How do they discover that at the funeral? I can't remember. But they okay. just, they're just like, oh, it's probably fake. I don't know. Maybe they can't see. I, I can't remember, but I just I can't stress you how unimportant the plot is. But yeah, I just okay, need cool. to get Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> this movie is just like, you know, it's 90 minutes for nine minutes. Like, you have to so go through like, nine to get to nine. It's Al Pacino's prelude to a twist, essentially. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, we're it's just, we're it's just every high-concept video clip where you click on the YouTube and it goes for 11 minutes and yep. you skip forward to eight minutes in when the music starts. Absolutely. Because yeah, nice. you're like, I don't care about seeing 50 Cent in jail talking to his parents or whatever it is <laughs> that leads up to it. <laughs> so Bill is contacted by Martin Petrie, his rival for the high school presidency. So there's also a subplot of him trying to become high school president. Mm-hmm. Do, I, do I care about this subplot? Not really. No. no okay, cool. It's just to fill minutes. It's filling minutes. <laughs> But they're at their arranged meeting, Bill discovers Petri with his throat cut. When he returns to the police, the body is also gone. So the next day at school, Petri shows up like nothing's happened. Is this the Sean Penn one? The Sean Penn, Michael Douglas one? Peach, like, I promise you, just, like, ga- you can keep game? guessing. You, game, like, yes. you can keep guessing. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> so when, when Bill arrives at home, he confronts his family again, but with Dr. Cleveland's help, remember, Dr. Cleveland is the therapist he's going for for help. They drug Bill. Mm-hmm. As Milo trails him, Bill is taken to a hospital. Bill awakens in a hospital bed and thinks he hears Blanchard crying out, but discovers that there is nothing there. And he thinks he hears it in the bed next to him, but then he opens it and there's no one there and he thinks he's going crazy. Milo tries to warn him, but he drives back to his house. And at this point, there's... And again, like I said, the plot is not important, but there's an element that the family kind of wanted him. They want to gaslight him, but then they also kind of want him to find out what's going on. So, okay. now, so now we get to the same... There is like this horny push and pull to it. Like the way that you describe it is like on point because it's like, oh yeah, we want you to know, but we're not going to let you. It's like, it feels quite erotic yeah. like, as a movie. Like, it's, like he wants to sleep with his sister truly, or something. And it's... it's like scummy. This is a scummy as fuck movie and it's all about that, that dirty 80s eroticism. Like this would be like... 80 exploitation, if anything. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. So, okay, so he gets home and he finds a large formal party. Dr. Cleveland's there, as well as pretty much everyone else in the film. Like, the place is packed. There's probably, like, 50 extras in this. In This, this is the scene. start of The Dark Knight Rises. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> also, we've just gone through a majority of the Wikipedia plot synopsis of the three paragraphs. We've gone through two. We are probably now in the last 10 minutes of the movie. Okay. <laughs> and it's as long as the rest of what's been written. <laughs> So Dr. Cleveland reveals that Bill's family and their high society friends are actually a different species from Bill, which is a pretty fun class mm-hmm. metaphor, I guess. Absolutely. You know? Like, how can you be a different species to your parents? Like, you are literally... <laughs> no, no, so at some point, I think you find out he's adopted. He's adopted, yeah. But, yeah, okay. like, All again, right. so unimportant that it didn't even make the cut <laughs> for yeah. the Wikipedia synopsis. So, sorry, that, that's not the twist? The different species is not the twist? No, 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 no. To analyse the author here, we've just realised, like, this is so telling about what this movie is, and you can tell that this author loves this movie... 
because they've just like gone, oh god, what's I just gotta write down everything that happens in the first like 90 minutes of the movie, just write it all down quickly. We've left off like important details, and then they're like, okay, carefully, I'm gonna explain everything that happens now. So to demonstrate they're a different species, they bring in the still living Blanchard. So it turns out all the people who sort of died didn't die, they're still alive. And the wealthy party guests strip to their underwear and begin shunting. Now, the word shunting, I think, is the grossest word mm. ever. And only once you understand what it means. Now, Peach, we don't usually do this on Spooko, but I think it's really important <laughs> that you get a visual of what shunting <laughs> looks like. And by the way, in this synopsis, shunting is in quotation marks. Oh, is, there, is there a link to a Wikipedia page about shunting? So, no, no, well? Peach, I am going to just put a link put in, the in the chat. chat. Oh, and fuck. I just want you to just, just watch it, like just watch a tiny bit of this. Watch it till you feel like you're a little, you're gonna vom, and then maybe stop. Okay. <laughs> is it blood? Just give me a well, blood. Well, I mean, there's not no. really blood. There's a lot of wetness. Mm. I just clicked it. I reckon we're talking microseconds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bitch. Uh, so this is shunting. This is what they this do at the end. Of maybe the- un- inappropriate for some users. Okay. I understand and wish to proceed. All right. <laughs> Peach's face, my lord. Peach's face, Peach, please, please press stop when you need to, seriously. Let it cut to the wide, Peach. you got to see it in the wide. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my wide. God. <laughs> hey, we've got a police officer. Oh, there are like eyes in there. Someone just sucked an eyeball out in my, in my watching. Uh, we're like we've got the kid, the tongue kissing that looks like oh they're having champagne and are interco- they're licking eyeballs. Wait oh, one second. Eating the eyeballs. <laughs> and it's got kind of fun house music in the background as well. Yeah, the, the soundtrack's really important because it's not creepy modern horror soundtrack. It is the sound of a circus. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so, um, so Peach, I'll, like, let, I'll like, let you gather your thoughts. What did you think about seeing shunting? <laughs> um, like, we've talked about how we haven't done a David Cronenberg film, right? And, and we've talked about how we haven't really touched body horror. And for anyone who wants to understand the genre a little better, there's a blank slate episode about 62, 63 is about video, video dome, video drone, mm-hmm. video dome. Go listen to that. Um, it's just very, very... Very upsetting. Uh, 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 uh. But also kind of funny. Yeah. I understand the genre is meant to be about eliciting a response. And, you know, fucking congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Like, am I meant to be, like, am I meant to be aroused or disgusted? Or, like, what's what's the, like, what are they looking for? Or just pissed off? Let me tell you, Brian Eusner has done his job today. He, He elicited the exact response he gathered. So look, let me let me explain what happened and then we can probably chat a bit more about shunting. So shunting <laughs> is when this rich society other species physically deform their own bodies to meld with each other to suck the nutrients out of poor people's bodies. So again, there's there's <laughs> there's your I don't know if you could pick the satire in there. It's very subtle, but it's in there. Peach watching your slow realization hearing that sentence. Amazing. You're in a free world right now. Oh my gosh, that's that this is the platform. This is, <laughs> this is hilarious. But also, how much is it also the Pennywise Song Society? Yeah. It's like they'll bring you in. Lure you in with champagne. Society, and stuff like that. we always know there's something wrong and we knew it all along. Like it's the same song. Alright, so uh, their intention oh is to do the same to Bill, but he escapes and runs around the house, finding his family engaged in a similarly disgusting activity. In fact, the family scene, we're not going to subject you to it, but it's perhaps even grosser mm. because the family's body parts and like no like sex parts, just their like their heads and legs and things are all in places where they shouldn't be. And then there's the final reveal where the dad's like, wait a minute, son. And then the cover's stripped back and he's just two legs, a butthole and the head coming out of the butthole going, see, I really am a butthead. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and then we cut to the horrified face of Bill for about a minute because it's a film in the 80s. <laughs> and then it is just the most horrifying special effects I've ever seen in my life. Like you talk about body horror. There is no body horror film worse 
than society. Society is like I I've, I don't think I've ever seen mm. anything like this on film. Like like you've seen so many films, Alexi. Have you seen anything really like the ending of Society? I think it is singular. It's and that's like the testament to like why it's gained this cult status because there's nothing like it. Like David Cronenberg's films have that body horror element, not unlike this. They have humor to them as well in like that satirical way, but I think this one has that like crumbum humor or something where it's like really silly f- almost like fart humor employed in it as well where it's like it's you're watching this and you're like oh my god i'm disgusted but this is also like so stupid and so silly uh, do you get a warning like so, like sorry just to linger linger on the shunting so like you know how if you're watching get out mm. uh three minutes in you drive into a deer like and you're shocked and so you get like a warning of like, guys, it is a horror movie. Here's your jump scare. Like, do you get anything remotely hinting at shunting? So there's two moments in the film where you do, where at one point, because it's an exploitation movie, you, you we, like we as the audience are spying on the sister in the shower, but her back is to the audience, but her boobs are pressed up against the shower. And it's just a weird moment where you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then the second one, again, it's a sex moment because that's the sort of film this mm. is, where he he has sex with that girl, Clarissa, and he falls off the bed because something gross happened. I think there's a third arm that yeah. starts stroking his back, and he falls off the bed and he looks up and none of her limbs are where they should be. I think we see that in the preview, don't we? Do. Like we see you a weird do. leg in a weird spot. So, so the, the shunting happens, he escapes, and then the society sees him escaping as a bit of a game. They're not like, oh, my God, if he gets out, they're basically like, we're untouchable because we're society. So they're like, they call on that guy, Ted Ferguson, who hosted the party earlier on to go and capture him. They have this fight, and then this is probably the f- most funniest but also the most horrifying sentence mm. in this whole Wikipedia synopsis. Uh. He confronts, so Bill confronts Ferguson Killing him by reaching inside him mid shunt <laughs> and pulling him inside out. So eventually, like, reaches up his butt and then just pulls all of his stuff out of his butt mid shunt while everyone around kind of just cheers and kind of like, this is awesome. He then escapes with Clarissa, who is part of this species, but, you know, wants to escape the society. And they leave. And there's a final, you know, there's a final cut back to the house where because Ferguson's dead, one of the like one of the judge or one you know one is like, well, looks like there's an opening in Washington, and they're all like ha 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 to basically infer that like this goes all the way up to the White House, and this species is not just in control of society but in control of the world, and that's probably the end of the satire of society. It's also at the end of the film. Peach, what are your thoughts on 1989's Society? I think I'm just upset. I think I, like, like, there's also a line that there are like so many horror films that are shit, right? And they're a waste of time to watch. And so, hundred percent, like by by watching horror films that are at least three stars, we're already editing out ninety nine percent of the dross. <laughs> and, and and the idea, like uh, the idea that that you guys have spent eighty minutes of your time watching the start bit in order to get to the twist, or that I've spent half an hour of my time to get to the twist. <laughs> There's an air of regret um, <laughs> to that. But there's something glorious in executing a vision like mm. this. Like, I, I just can't think of anything less good than this movie. It sounds like <laughs> utter trash. And it's the sort of thing that would be made on a, on a dare or made for the fuck of it mm-hmm. or made to throw two middle two, two fingers up at society. Um but it, it it just strikes me as something that should not have been made and should not exist, meaning that it can only operate in this genre. I, and there's a glory and a romance to that, that in fact is probably not a thousand miles away from some of the issues you traverse in, in finding Desperado to come full circle. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't want it in my life. Peach, I feel really Food. bad. I feel like, you know, like, and again, a big part of this this podcast is exposure therapy. <laughs> I've talked to people who listen who are on the same journey as you and they use this podcast in the same way. And sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. But as a friend to you, I feel a little bad because like, you genuinely feel a little bit shook. Surely like, there are more Freddy sequels we could be doing. Like, we've only done Dream Warriors. Like, yeah. Surely... Surely, like there, surely we can do some of that. There's some wet, rusty, grubby, 
Eli Roth films for us to do or something. Yeah, there's Fuck a him. great, uh, not unlike society moment, one of the Freddy sequels, where he turns in his in one of the dreams, turns a victim into a meatball on a pizza and then stabs him <laughs> off and eats him. And that is not unlike shunting in its visual quality, I would say. <laughs> Alexi, how did like how do you feel? Like, is this is this a film that sort of belongs in the film trivia canon? Like, mm. like it is it is a film knowledgeable people should know about? Um, I don't know if they, I would go that far. I think that it's a curio. Like, it's an absolute curio yeah. because, like, what you said, you know, I remember very vividly being in the cinema watching this. It was a part of a double bill with the Australian body horror movie Body Melt. And um, it's what is that? Maybe we'll do that for another podcast. Yeah, I would tell you now. Don't look it up because even the poster for Body Melt is disgusting, and you can (laughs) see it on like the shelves at a JB Hi-Fi and stuff. Um, But I would say, like, you know, this was like I think the second film in the double bill, and like we're tired. It's like midnight. I'm like, this is this is not getting anywhere. But the unbridled sense of joy you get from a sharp left turn like this into yeah, okay. like surrealist body horror, uh, like lunacy, like just it's absolute like lunacy because it's like taken. Okay. It's like a leap. It's a huge leap from where you are in like the rest of this like Beverly Hills 90210 vibe that's going on with like some you know stupid horror going on to go to this leap of like oh my god, this film has amazing effects that I didn't know about. Uh, Like, you know, this movie feels so cheap up until that point where you're like, this is, I've not seen this before. This is like the thing, but if the person that was designing everything was like jacking off with their other hands, it's like really, it's, it's truly like, it's a singular experience to have this, to reach the end of this film. On that note, Alexi Tobolopoulos, thank you so much for joining us. It has been such a pleasure to share society with you and Peach. If there's, like, as Peach mentioned in his glowing intro, there are so many places to find more of your work. If there's one place mm-hmm. you'd like people to search out right now to go listen to or go read, where should we send them? Uh, no, it should be Alexi's IMDb, I'm sure. <laughs> head to head to Alexi's IMDb. Yeah, go to Sorry, my IMDb. Alexi. I've got like three credits because I don't look after it. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you all the individual things I've worked on. You can find them from that way. Um, I would love you, if you check out one thing, check out Finding Drago and Finding Desperado. Mm. They are the ABC podcast that Cam and I do where we... Uh, investigate pop culture mysteries or mysteries in the realm of outsider art really and uh it's all under the title finding desperado at the moment there's two seasons the first one's finding drago where i uncover a strange novel written by a weird australian legendary author that i've never heard of about the villain from rocky four called uh drago on mountains we stand and then the sequel season two is finding desperado where cameron finds a Guinness World Record in the world of filmmaking that we believe to be phony baloney. And one day you're going to have to tell the world why you actually called it Finding Desperado because that is the final mi- mm. that is the final mystery to this day. Uh, guys, I'm so sorry. I've got to go and do a quick shunt before my next meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, love to you, Alexi. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Get the shunt out of here, Alexi. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I forgot to ask you what you think of Reshes. We'll save that for next time. Oh, I'll tell you. Reshes refreshes, baby. It is a go-to beer, Ross, for me. I will tell you that. Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up?